Today I am going to talk about art and science of happiness. This is a, a chapter from my book Nature of Human Thought which was published as second edition in 2010. All of us aspire to have a good life and happiness. There are many definitions of happiness as there are people but generally people want a decent place to live, mobility, good education for their children, clean environment, a challenging workplace, good and wholesome entertainment and enough money to meet their usual daily requirements. These are the issues around which the modern industrial societies have evolved and yet they have created the biggest problem of totally unsustainable lifestyles fueled by greed. Thus the climate change, economic meltdown and other consequent social problems are the direct result of our greed for resources and energy. Hence the control of greed or better yet the sublimation of greed emotions into higher one like humility and simplicity can lead to sustainability, happiness and a rewarding life. <clears throat> Attainment of happiness is the goal of all religions and almost all spiritual writings are about how to achieve it. Most of the religions have focused on renunciation and elimination of desire. Some use this to promise happiness in afterlife. However, one can find happiness in this life and the world. Based upon the material uh, that I have talked uh, previously, we will try to explore in this talk how one can lead a happy life by channeling our desires into fruitful avenues and by curbing or sublimating our greed impulses. All these strategies combined will also lead us to a sustainable lifestyle. What is happiness? I'll tell you a story that was based, um, uh, first uh, given by Sri Ramakrishna Paramans. So I'm just repeating what he said. <clears throat> a young boy went to a guru and asked him how he can see God. The guru immediately saw that the boy was enlightened and uh, but too young to be educated in the abstract knowledge of Vedas and Upanishads. So he asked the boy whom he loved most. The boy replied, my calf. I play with him all the time. He is my true companion. The Guru asked the boy to think and meditate on calf. After some months, the Guru went to see what his young disciple had achieved and found him crying. I am losing my mind, said the disciple. The calf has become so small that it sits on my palm. The Guru advised the disciple to continue meditating on the calf. After some time, when the Guru visited the disciple again, he was crying and said that now the calf has grown so big that it reaches the sky. Guru knew that the young disciple was on the correct path. He told him to continue further on the same path. Many years passed by before the Guru went to see his disciple. From the disciple's face, the Guru knew that he had obtained happiness and had reached his destination. After great difficulty, he was able to shake the disciple out of his samadhi on being asked how he felt. So the uh, disciple said, Sir, you, I, calf, sky and God are same. Focus on a single thought 
or a desired object for a long time is a sense of yoga which is called Sayyam and Patanjali Yoga and produces tremendous happiness. A possible mechanism could be that this concentration somehow helps stimulate or tickle the pituitary gland and gives us a sense of well-being. Happiness is a state of mind. We feel happy and enjoy life through our senses and the mind. Brain processes the information from the senses and our le level of happiness is dictated by its processing power. A powerful processor which produces deep thought can therefore extract more information from the sensory signals and give us more happiness since the mind gets satisfied easily. A smaller processor obviously needs many more inputs to reach the same enjoyment or satisfaction level. Thus weaker brains need more resources to occupy them and this leads to greed and unsustainable lifestyle. Therefore one of the prerequisites to having a sustainable lifestyle is the development of a powerful and smart brain. Such a brain allows us to think deeply or concentrate during which we can got, get lost in processing that information. A powerful brain or processor also changes the priorities in life and helps in shifting the focus towards getting personal happiness through mental peace and less on material needs. When concentration on a single thought is carried out regularly and continuously for a long time, it takes our mind away from our insecurities and hence gives us a feeling of calmness and well-being. The insecurity of human beings comes when they do not have anything to do. Thus activities such as hoarding of wealth, material goods, etc. are the result of a shallow mind. Mind seeks enjoyment and gets it in activities like being binge shopping, etc. A mind which is very powerful is capable of finding enjoyment within itself and makes a person self-contented and happy. Thus the act of accumulation or hoarding of anything is a sign of a lower intelligence level since it is driven by fear complex of losing out or not having enough. An evolved human being, on the other hand, will try to hoard as little as possible and will possess only those material things required for his or her use and enjoyment. This is the essence of sustainability. Modern examples of evolved humans are Gandhi and Einstein who lived very simply and yet produce a very high quality of thought since they were very secure human beings. Now what is a, how do you develop a powerful brain? Geneticists tell us that we are born with a certain type of brain and that puts a limit on its processing power. However, any type of brain can be nurtured to work efficiently it is this capability that needs to be imparted to all children. Surely there will always be difference between brains but with proper nurturing during childhood the average capabilities can be raised very high. When we are young our brain is powerful and pliable. This is primarily because it is relatively free of memories and psychological knots. Besides there are lots of sex hormones flowing through them. These chemicals are necessary and useful for memory enhancement and hence in producing a powerful brain. Thus to increase the brain capacity and have more focused thinking, it is necessary that teenagers should be made to focus on various interesting things 
and less on sex. Too much sexual activity fitters away these chemicals and probably this, is the, this was the basis of celibacy propagated by all religions in different civilizations. Sexual abstinence is a very difficult thing to teach the teenagers. The evolutionary forces cause a tremendous hormonal flow in young people since procreation is the most important part of life. This hormonal flow should be utilized for making the brain powerful and should not be frittered away. Because of our hedonistic society, we can tend to create more sexual opportunities which sometimes result in overindulgence. This is disruptive and not very productive. Sex is enjoyable and when practiced among consenting adults in moderation is also good for human health. Therefore, it is difficult to curb the powerful sexual tendencies of the young people. Sex desire should not be suppressed but should be sublimated. We can, we can do this by inspiring the youngsters and making them work hard so that they do not have much time to think about sex and related things. An empty mind is a devil's workshop. This requires that parents and teachers create a work environment for children which is challenging, interesting and physically taxing. A soft society leads to obesity and sexual disorders. If you want to shield the children and young adults against disruptive too much sex, then we have to first put a rein on the behavior of the adults. If adults want sex to be depicted openly in mass media, then it will ultimately be seen by children. Nevertheless, it is very difficult to censor our sexual content since in an open society, adults have the freedom to do more or less whatever they want. Thus, the ancient Indian schooling concept of Gurukul becomes useful where the children were put in schools and colleges in isolation and where the focus was on yoga, learning and sexual abstinence. The practice of yoga by children will help them to develop the power of concentration which ultimately can produce a powerful brain. Since the brain is pliable during the impressionable age, teaching of yoga in schools should be made compulsory. However, in the modern world, this ancient Indian concept may prove difficult to sell. Also, the teachers of such gurukuls have to be very disciplined and highly evolved human beings. Presently, teaching profession generally attracts only the lower strata of the society. Still, we can aim and plan for modern gurukuls which can be excellent schools with focus, focus on yoga, moral science and sports besides regular subjects. Creation of a very intelligent children and young adults will pass out from such schools is necessary for betterment of society. At the same time, how do we create the conditions for us to think deeply and produce a powerful brain? Today's society does not put a premium on reading or thinking deeply because or thinking deeply about anything. The pace of life together with information overload from TV, radio and other electronic media is creating a new generation of humans with a very short time span focus. Deep thought requires energy, application and a will to achieve it. Short attention span does not require too much effort and hence is easy on the mind. However, if we consciously create in our children from very early age the desire to read which will help them cultivate the habit of imagination and daydreaming, then there is a chance of creating society 
which is more focused and happy. Children who have an active imagination, they dream a lot. They create imaginary beings, though fully conscious of the fact that they are make-believe entities. Sociologists have been baffled as to why children do this. A possible answer is that this is the origin of Sayyam in children. The brain of active children is very powerful and in the absence of any structured thought or focus starts a movie of imagination. Once this movie is started, then there is a continuous flow of thoughts in this direction and the movie gets bigger and bigger till it takes a life of its own. Children do it because it is a genesis of a deep thought and brings happiness to them. This daydreaming can only happen when a child's mind is not bombarded by external inputs which in present day electronic driven world is difficult to avoid. What is the nature of desire? It is possible that as we make our brains powerful and expand the boundaries of our consciousness, we may also desire more inputs and resources for it so that it can keep itself occupied. Thus a powerful brain will channel the desires into new avenues which will benefit the humanity more rather than our greed. In order to do so, we must however first try to understand the desire emotion. Thus the questions like what is sociobiological basis of desire or why do human beings have it and what is the nature of their fulfillment needs to be addressed. Desire manifests itself in different forms. Lust, aim, ambition, control, goal, etc. However, the driving force is the same. Power, fame and money and I think it ultimately boils down to control and hence power. Some also call it as an ego trip. Desire is fueled by experience. A living being wants to experience the world. This is an inherent trait of all life forms. We are wired for experience. Urge for maximization of experience fuels our desire. Whether the desire is for sex, money, fame, etc., it is driven by the same need to have experience. As our brains develop right from our birth, the neurons need to form memory pathways. This process is accomplished by sensory perception where the inputs from the senses form the memory. We are hardwired to increase our experiences and memories and the brain simply sucks all these inputs from the sensory senses. This is the genesis of desire. Thus desire and brain are interlinked. As long as brain exists, there will always be desire. One of the outcomes of desire is possession. We feel a need to possess whatever we desire, whether it is a person, object or even an idea. This possession helps in maximization of experience. As we absorb this experience through our senses, our brain processes this information. It is during this process that we decide whether our desires are fulfilled or not. Fulfillment of desires therefore helps us in releasing the possessions. Thus a powerful processor or mind can get his desires fulfilled quite easily without physically possessing the object of desire. While on the other hand, a weaker brain needs to possess lot more things for fulfilling them and this leads to greed. Thus to live a sustainable life, it is necessary to have a powerful brain processor. Desire is useful 
and necessary emotion. It allows us to achieve something and be active. Without desire, we'll be lifeless, dead or like stones. However, what we need to do is to channel our desires so that they get fulfilled without too much taxing of resources, materials and energy. For example, to desire to invent a new process, to create a new thought or discovery does not require much energy or resources, say as that required for possessing too many cars or luxury items like a 100-foot yacht or a private jetliner. The desire for material goods which supply our needs and not our greed should be good for humanity at large and will lead to sustainability. One of the possible ways to satiate the desire for possession of material goods is by sublimating it via virtual reality tools. As the technology for virtual reality systems evolve and virtual reality becomes more realistic, we'll be able to take care of most of our desires with very little use of energy and materials. This will hopefully lead us to sustainability. This concept will be explained in a talk on virtual reality which will be given later on. The satiation of desire requires energy, materials, resources and excessive desire leads to greed and hence to unsustainability. The wisdom of I or ego keeps a check on the desires. If not, then the mind goes on to an ever-expanding spiral of greed and excesses. Unresolved desires produce memory knots or stresses which have the mechanism of always directing the brain to them and creating anger, frustrations and hence depression. This happens because the thought production is channeled or influenced by the existing memories. If the brain has more memory knots or unfulfilled desires, then the new thoughts will be centered and focus around them, leading to anger, frustrations, etc. A stressed mind also gets angry very fast. Anger is an emotion which occurs when things don't happen the way we want. Thus a powerful processor or mind which can coolly and calmly look and evaluate all the possibilities, which basically deep thought helps you to do that, may have better conflict and anger resolution capabilities than the shallow thinking mind. This, thus insecurity and anger may be related. The power of the brain processor is increased by availability of its working memory. This can happen with cultivation of deep thought so that the dissolution of other memories and psychological knots take place. As this memory increases, the absorption and digestion of inputs also get enhanced since the mind becomes hungry for more experiences and this increases our desire. As our desires increase both in quantity and quality, the powerful brain or mind complex starts looking for higher purposes. This mind-opening experience allows interaction of mind with external and higher dimensional knowledge space and allows us to access the existing information from it, the basis of most discoveries, inventions, etc. What is heightened awareness? One of the aspects of a very powerful processor and an evolved brain, it also becomes acutely aware of its surroundings. Thus, it is able to expand its horizons to encompass our world, solar system and universe. This expansion gives us a tremendous sense of peace, tranquility and perspective in our life. This is the genesis of wisdom. Production of huge brain, human brain, is still an evolutionary mystery.
Its big size cannot be explained by the pressures of evolutionary forces alone. I feel that it develops so that we can understand the universe and become aware of universal consciousness. Thus the expansion of our horizons or yearning for universal consciousness gives us an awareness of reality and life in different dimensions. And this is the genesis of God's sense that each one of us possesses irrespective of our caste, creed or religion. It is possible that our brains have this inbuilt sense because this earth was seeded by an intergalactic civilization and hence through ages we have carried that genetic code via our ancestors who are more aware than us of the reality of other planets and of our higher dimensional space. In fact, as we evolve technologically and otherwise, this awareness will become stronger and the boundaries between our four and higher dimensions will become blurred. This concept is also mentioned in Patanjali Yoga Darshan and the modern science and technology makes it possible to visualize it and probably experience it. This awareness of higher dimensional space and reality can also make us fearless and remove our fear of death since death is a simple transition between various forms and dimensions. This is also the lesson of Gita. With fearlessness comes the ability to do new things and follow uncharted paths which can give us a quantum jump in our technological developments and understanding of natural forces. Because we have roots of an advanced galactic civilization, hence the concept of gods with superhuman powers and dazzling lights are embedded in our memories. So is the desire in us to travel intergalactically. However, with our present technologies, it is not possible to do so. Presently, the easiest and the most energy efficient way to travel from one planet to another is via soul transfer, as I have already talked in my talk on the tunneling of soul. This has been preached by almost all religions throughout the ages where reaching heaven after death was the ultimate goal of existence. I believe our ancestors understood this and knew that this was the easiest way to overcome gravity barrier of earth and hence the focus on future births in heaven etc. Our roots in intergalactic space also made us aware and focus on the concept of heaven and hell. Heaven was always the great place where we originally came from and probably must have been a very technologically advanced civilization. It is also possible that this was a place devoid of any physical or emotional pain. As we become technologically advanced and become gods ourselves, we will eventually lose the god thought and become more tuned to making this world as heaven. Once that happens, then we will talk less about heaven and future births and more about what is possible now and can be achieved. Also, we will have no problem in being born again and again on this earth and with our technology will become an intersolar, intergalactic, travelling civilization, just what the gods may have been. For this concept to take shape, we have to consider that life as a continuum. As we gain more powers and they get the ability to play God, we will start changing the tapestry of nature by our, by our technology. Since each one of us had a, has a limited time frame to live, we have this tremendous arrogance that we should accomplish everything in our lifetime. This causes greed and ultimately misery. 
nature also affects changes but these changes take place in geological time scale and after the systems are in dynamic equilibrium with the surroundings human mediated changes powered by greed do not allow the systems to remain in equilibrium with the surroundings that is the reason for our creating problems with the environment and producing conflicts with each other however if we consider that we are a continuum that we will continue on this planet earth for a very long time in different life forms and that all of us will work together for the benefit of mankind then the task at hand loses a lot of its urgency and time its immediacy as individuals we have a free will and work for our own good but as a part of the whole mankind we all are moving towards speeding up its evolution the only requirement for the scheme to succeed is for the reincarnation to be reality if we believe in reincarnation then the time stretches and we get a better perspective on life it causes all our actions to become focused on achieving the general good of mankind for its evolution on a large scale with this perspective one also gets a global outlook and the country boundaries vanish and this is the essence of being human in a way the development of science and technology allows us to proceed in this manner though most of the times we are not guided by the principle of continuum nevertheless the desire to leave a better world for our future generations is in effect the product of this idea still the issues of patents technology and intellectual property control create hindrances in the free flow of ideas and technologies since our greed propels us to control them the later the latter issues comes into play because of our insecurities which lead us to arrogantly focus only on our present lifetime lifetime nevertheless this behavior cannot be changed overnight but we'll have to do it slowly and i feel that in another 100 to 200 years we as human beings will become more benevolent and sharing thus to live a happy and sustainable life we know we need to make our brain powerful by yoga and also by conserving energies which are too often frittered away in unfulfilled desires and emotional knots this process can also help us curbing our greed impulse so that all of us can work together with available resources to make this world a better place where each one of us can live a sustainable and emotionally satisfying life